You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the lovely Desi. How are you doing tonight, Desi? Doing fantastic. How about yourself? Fantastic. Wow. I'm pretty good. Well, that's because I'm drinking a margarita. It is like National Margarita Day or something like that you said earlier, didn't you? On the day that we're recording this? Yes. Not the day we release it. I'm drinking some Jack Daniels thing, so no margarita for me. What? Have a margarita for you? I said no margarita for me. That's not what I heard. That's what I said. Well, I'll have one for you after this one. Okay. Then I'll be number three. I haven't had a margarita in probably 15 years. My favorite from this restaurant and they're like blue they're so good cool 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 i think you're first tonight i am what kind of amazing story do you have for us this week i don't know if this is amazing for everybody but it's a place i thought would be cool because you know my number one travel place i want to go sometime within my life and most likely without the kids yes new zealand Yes. So I figured, I saw this and I was like, wow, weird. I didn't even know a place like this existed. I mean, you know, there's places that exist that nobody in, like nobody lives Mm -hmm. at. Yeah. But this is Makiri Island. Ever heard of it? Makiri Island. I don't think so. Well, it is the only place where Earth's mantle lies above water. Really? So I thought that was kind of interesting because in my mind, I'm going, wait a minute. How is that even possible? Because mountains are a mantle. It's where two tectonic plates yeah. like collide and they push up against these, each other and make these mountains. Yeah. So technically, aren't the technically they're, mountains yeah, I don't know. the mantle? No idea. <laughs> but I'm just going to go with it. I don't know. I'm just going to go with it and go, okay, well, I want to go visit this place. I'm sure it's a cool place. So if we visit it, I could probably learn more and understand more because you do need to take a boat and they highly recommend that you take their boats there. Obviously, I wouldn't want to take a boat on my own. I'd be like, I'd be lost. And for, you know, podcast production purposes, we're going to have to do this tax write off, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I never thought of that. And we can even like talk about some of the past things we've talked about. Oh, that's what we should do for our year anniversary show is head that way because I've done the glow, the algae yeah. that's down by Tans- Tasmania and stuff because this is further south from Tasmania. And-, and and then we can go check out the elephant's foot in, never mind. <laughs> but that's not by Australia. No, I know. And we're not going somewhere that's, that's full of radiation either. <laughs> well... If you want to be smart enough yeah. to walk into there, no, thank feel you. free. You are insured, so. <laughs> <laughs> Worth more dead than alive. <laughs> so this island, though, um, it's midpoint between An- Antarctica and the island of Tan- Tasmania, and it lies, it's a small mm. spit of land, which I don't know if you remember what a spit is. No, I don't remember what a spit is. A spit is just like... A teeny tiny, long little trail of land. Okay. Just small. Um, actually, here's a picture. 
Okay. I remember learning this in the eighth grade, but I like science. But that's that's cool. a spit. Okay. So it's like a peninsula. It's just not attached it's just not to attached anything, anything yeah. and it's very narrow and long. Okay. So it's a spit. Like if you were to spit, narrow mm-hmm. and long. Think of it like that. It was never permanently settled by humans. Okay. Um, the island has a long served as an outpost for research- researchers before that. Uh, sealers seeking some of the island's bountiful blubbery crop. And that's why most people go there is for seals, for like seals? hunting okay. and stuff. Um, it is the only place on earth where rock from earth's mantle are exposed above sea level. Hmm. So um, it arose from an impact between the Indo-Australian and the Pacific plates through the result of their collision is an on smaller scale. So it's not as high of a peak like you would see in mm. most mountain ranges. Um, it's only 1,345 feet at the highest point, and the island is unique for exposing sediments from oceanic crust and part of the Earth's mantle above water. So I'm mm. assuming this is why it's the only yeah. place. Makes sense. So, um, it is. It's very interesting of like the the area of the world that it's in. It's literally you know not that far away from the deepest portion of the Mariana Trench, which is in that same area, not Holy right crap, next to it. Holy crap, you know stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not you, didn't know what a, you didn't know what a spit was, so <laughs> I was like, who knows what you know. Yeah, I know all kinds of things. I never said you were an idiot either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Mm-hmm. Are you calling me stupid? Never mind. Elliot the idiot. So it was, it's research now because of the fact that they're able to find the stuff from the seafloor. Mm-hmm. So they're able to research a lot of this. So this is where a lot of researchers go to, to find stuff. I'm sure you can get a lot of, a lot of data about what the oceans have been like throughout time by going to someplace like that, where you can kind of, kind of see it from the, from the um, surface without Pretty much. having to go underwater. But you would think you would be able to in the mountains too. It's just probably so cold and hard to dig for it and stuff because of the snow caps and all that funness. Because you would think, anyways, I'm not going too far into (laughs) that. (laughs) I could give everybody my theories, but it doesn't mean they hold true. So um, this was, this island was first discovered in modern times by Frederick Hasselborough. I probably said that wrong. A sealer who promptly did his colonial duty by claiming the land for Britain. Hmm. So the only living beings Hasselhofer brought were a massive colony of, or found was a massive colony of royal penguins. Um, Are those the, one that, the ones that look there in a tuxedo? Is that a royal penguin? Uh, I thought <laughs> I they know. all look like they were wearing know. a tuxedo. It's just the size of them because I think it's oh, the king okay. penguins. They stand about three feet tall. Yeah. And then, I actually read something about penguins recently, and it, that's why it kind of triggered a memory, but I don't know what it was. I thought they all look like they're wearing a tuxedo, but maybe, maybe they're they the do. only ones with the white on their chest because some of them have spots. Yeah, maybe. So they penguins also have the albatross and... To his sealing heart's desire, hundreds of thousands of seals. So um, 
B and I pulled this for things to go travel and see. Mm-hmm. Um, things that you would want to know before you go to the island is a number of companies offer travel to the island by boat. Okay. Um, and it is um, an island. It's long from Tasmania and New Zealand, so it's not close by. Mm-hmm. It's, um, a, it's, it's a rough so trip you're probably sure. going to want to take this unless you're a very expert sailor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also located in the so-called Furious 50s, and it's named for that for the raging waters at that latitude. Um, travel to the island by boat might be best done with Dramamine. Mm. They advise that. I've taken Dramamine <laughs> while on a boat before. <laughs> so it is a cold, wet, and windy island because of that. So... Yeah. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind if you do decide to It's not to exactly go. a tropical vacation cruise you'd be taking. It would be more of an adventure. It would be an adventure. It'd be like somebody like me who wants to kind of, you're learning something mm-hmm. on top of it. It's you know, you not could take just, a plane and just have it crash out there. No. <laughs> no thanks. Or a helicopter. No thanks. Yeah, no thank you. No thank no. you. No. Huh. So I thought that That's was cool. kind of interesting. So there's more. Down under, other than just Australia. And New Zealand, yeah. And Tasmania. Yeah. So a lot of cool Cool, things that you could see down there. That's cool. I would love to go that way someday for sure. Me too. And maybe we can if we had the kind of money this guy had that I'm going to talk about. I like money. Who doesn't? This guy was so, I don't want to say good, but... For a small, for a short period of time, was so successful at scamming people out of money that they named a scheme after him. Okay, never mind. I don't want to be that <laughs> guy, though. Charles Ponzi is the name is who the Ponzi scheme was named after. I don't know if you've ever heard of a Ponzi scheme. I've um, heard of a pawn shop. No, this is a this is a, it, it's a word thrown around a lot when people scam people out of large amounts of money on Wall Street or things like that. Um, that the scheme is named after Charles Ponzi. And I never knew that, first of I've all. I've never heard of that before. So I, I found I found some articles about him and kind of what he did leading up to his big scheme. So figured it was a good topic. So Okay. Um, he was, uh, he, he's famous for swindling Bostonians out of $15 million in eight months. That's what made him famous. But not where he started, of course. Uh, he was born in uh, Parma, Italy in 1883. Parma, like, Parma che- like Parmesan, Parmesan cheese? I'm guessing that's what it's named after. I'm No, the other way around. <laughs> the cheese is named after the place in Italy. Not that the place in Italy is named after the cheese. <laughs> Just guess. It, it could be either way. It could be. It could be. It could, could be. <laughs> that's where they could have made Parmesan cheese. Um, he Or they named it because they named the cheese... The city after the cheese they made there. Okay. Anyway, he landed in the U.S. with $2.50 in his pocket, but he said he had millions of dollars in hopes. Make that noise again. Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-uh. That was kind of funny. Um, He would go on to become a fruit peddler, a dishwasher, a waiter, and then a schemer. Um, His. His multi-million dollar dreams had to wait because after busing tables in New York City and painting signs in Florida, he headed to Montreal where he worked for a bank for a while. Uh, while working for this bank, the bank specialized in uh, 
charging really, really, really high interest rates to its customers. And very shortly after was pushed into bankruptcy and closed because nobody wanted to be a customer at this bank. Um, shortly after that, in 1907, Canadian police caught him forging a check and he spent three years in a Quebec prison. Uh-oh. Yeah, three years in prison for check forgery. Right after he was released, he decided to try to help five Italian immigrants cross the U.S. border, but was caught and served two years in Atlanta prison. I thought that was kind of weird. He was in Atlanta prison for coming across the border from Canada. That's a long ways away. But anyway. <laughs> it's a little bit. Uh, by 1919, he had a new idea. He'd start an international trade journal and sell advertisements. Um, but when he applied for a business loan, the bank president said, no, I can't give you any money. You have a very bad reputation. International trade? Yeah. Okay. Then um, in August that same year, uh, inspiration struck Ponzi while he was opening a letter from a Spanish business correspondent. Inside, he found an international postal reply coupon. This coupon was issued by a Spanish post office and could be redeemed for U.S. postage. But because of the change in Spanish cur- Spanish currency, the stamp was worth 10% more than Ponzi's colleague had paid for it. Uh-oh. So he decided to exploit the system. He would buy up a massive quantities of stamp coupons in other countries where they had weak economies, and then he'd sell them here for a profit. <laughs> he, uh, he named his scheme the Security Exchange Company um, and brought in investors. Uh, first, he trained a squad of sales agents who pitched the scheme to potential investors, and these salesmen pulled in 10% commission for every investor they brought in. He was fairly successful bringing investors in in the beginning. It started out with he had 15 customers. They all invested $870, which, and then six, oh months, my God. six months later, he had persuaded some 20,000 people to give him about $10 million. I wish I could persuade people to believe in my dreams to give me that kind of money. Eventually, he brought in over 40,000 investors. I want... 40,000 investors. On July 24th, 1920, the Boston Post ran a front page story about Charles Ponzi. It says he doubles your money within three months. Liar. That was the headline of the, of the, of the um, article. Some well-known scammers themselves couldn't figure out how he was doing it. He would talk about that it was a stamp thing, but he wouldn't kind of go into suspense specifics of how he was purchasing it or where he was purchasing them from. Eventually he hired a marketing guy to help him grow the business. And this marketing guy was working with the federal investigators and came to find out he wasn't buying any stamps. He wasn't buying anything. He was just spending other people's money. He had absolutely no way of paying back investors because he wasn't trying <laughs> to earn any money. They finally raided his his home and his bank accounts and turns up there was there was nothing. There was no stamp money. There was nothing other than money investors had been talked into giving him for this scheme. So now if you are investing in a um in some kind of investment where there is no way to Actually make your money back. It is known as a Ponzi scheme. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe in that time he was able to con, you know, 
eight million dollars from people in a matter of months. That's crazy. Just absolutely crazy. And then taken down. Everybody wants to believe in the get rich fast. Yep. And of course, taken down because he wanted to increase that wealth. So he hired somebody to help him do it, and had to trust somebody. And when you are uh, when you are working a criminal operation, you probably shouldn't trust anybody. No. <laughs> No. Because you're probably not surrounded by the most trustful people. Well, even if you're trying to do something loyally, it's hard to even trust somebody because most people, most, not all, most people are out for themselves. They are. Most are. Most are. So, yeah. Yep. That's the history of the Ponzi scheme by Charles Ponzi. See, I would have never have trusted somebody to market for me. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, but I'm not smart enough to get get rich quick either so so my next story so doesn't follow in your trend at all okay i should almost grab my last story because that might follow suit kind of sort of i wouldn't worry about it i'm gonna take it completely off the tracks here i'm not worried about it because usually we don't follow suit so um my next story is about morgellons disease have you ever heard of that i don't think so so i did a little bit of research on this and at the end i'll kind of go through what the mayo clinic has to say about it too but um mergillins is um it was self-diagnosed scientifically i'm getting this from wikipedia just so everybody knows this part um, self-diagnosed scientifically unsustained skin condition indiv- individuals claiming to have Morgellons typically exhibit sores, which they believe contains some sort of fibrous material and is poorly characterized. But the general medical condition consensus is that it form it is a form of delusion parasitis. So um, the sores are typically the result of compulsive scratching and the fibers when analyzed were consistently found to have originated from clothing or other textiles. Hmm. So it originated um, from a mother who rejected the medical diagnosis for her son's delusional parasitis um, named... The suspicious disease, she named the suspicious disease in 2002. So Mary Leteo, I believe is how her last name said. Um, She and others involved in her more jealous research foundation um, successfully lobbied members of the U.S. Congress and the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Preventation. to investigate the condition in 2006. So what what causes this condition? What is it? I, I'm a, it's like I'm a sores that are like itchy, but yet there are unknown fibers under the skin that they're able to pull out. Okay, and the fibers are being attributed to clothing of some sort? So some people speculate. Okay. Um, other people say that have analyzed them that it has nothing to do with fiber at all like they okay. can't tell you where these are coming from they do not match anything hmm. that could possibly go under the skin mm-hmm. um after researching it so it's more or less they're saying um 
Well, she was saying that her two-year-old son developed sores under his lip and began to complain of bugs, which the majority of the people say it's like feeling like bugs are crawling under your skin type oh, thing. Yuck. Um, Lateo says she examined the sores of her son's toys with her son's toys microscope and discovered red, blue, black, and white fibers. Um, She states, and this is a... A toy microscope, so we have to keep that in mind, too. Okay, so we're not looking at some high-powered scientific No. She states that she took her son to see at least eight different doctors who were unable to find any disease, allergy, or anything unusual about her son's description or described symptoms. Um, Hmm. John Hopkins, or Fred Helrich, a John Hopkins pediatrician with a reputation for solving mysterious cases, examined her son... Um, found nothing abnormal about the boy's skin, wrote to the referring physician that Lateo was would benefit from a psychiatric evaluation and support and registered his worries about Lateo's use of her son. Um, so he's more or less speculating, like, you know how some people are like, my child's sick? Yeah, like the well, Munchausen Thing. Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. So um, that's what they are So the saying. doctors aren't... Taking her serious or her son's symptoms So serious. there's nothing... See, the way you initially described it, I thought there was some kind of obvious appearance that something was wrong. There is some kind of obvious because other people, she had, she had started some foundation um, and some other people are stating, claiming the same thing, where there are fibers under their skin, and it's not a lot. It's very rare, but there are people out there. And in my mind, I'm like, we have seen some weird things in this world. Oh, yeah. I, I, so who's to say, and if there's something physical showing, how can something psychologically deter- be determined out of it when yeah. you can? But they're like, no, it must be cotton. It's cotton-like. And then other researchers are saying... No, this is not a fiber from clothing. So there's, there's hmm. some doctors say it one way, some say it another way. Interesting. So um, she started the Magellan's Research Foundation, MRF, informally in 2002 and as a non-official nonprofit in 2004 uh, the MRF states on its website the purpose is to raise awareness and funding for research into the proposed condition uh, described by the organization as a poorly understood illness, which can be disfiguring and disabling. Hmm. So, I mean, if your skin's constantly well, itchy, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, that would be disabling. No matter what is causing it, whether it's physical or mental, it's horrible. Exactly. But... They don't want to believe that it's a mental thing. That's the thing because they don't. It's not a mental thing. Yeah, in no. Their I minds. mean, if it's a, if it's a if it's physically affecting you, it's physically affecting you. So, um, the first article to propose Magellan's in a new disease in the scientific journal was a review article co-authored by members of the MRF and published in 2006 by the American Journal of Clinical Dermatology. A 2006 article in the San Francisco, San Francisco, I can't even talk, Chronicle reported uh, there have been no clinical studies of Magellan's disease. A new scientist article in 2007 
also covered the phenomenon, noting that people are reporting similar symptoms in Europe and Australia. So the CDC investigation um, are the ones that are saying it's psychological, but following a mailing campaign, and they sent in thousands... Uh, the foundation sent in thousands of form letters to members of Congress and the CDC task force uh, met in June of 2006 because of this. By 2000, August of 2006, the uh, task force uh, consisted of 12 people, including 12, two pathologists, a toxicologist, and ethicist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A mental health expert, a specialist in infectious, parasitic, environmental, and chronic disease. Hmm. So, um, in two thousand June of two thousand and seven, the CDC opened a website relating to the Magellan CDC study of the unexplained dermopathy. And by November of two thousand seven, the CDC opened an invest- investigation into the condition. So, skin biopsy. Uh, blah, 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 I can't talk. Skin biopsies from affected people and characterizations of foreign materials such as fiber or threads obtained from people to determine their potential source. Uh, in January of 2012, the CDC released the results of the study. Their conclusions were that 59% of subjects showed cognitive uh deficits and 63 had evidence of clinically significant symptoms okay 50% had drugs in their system 78% reported exposure to solvents potential skin irritants no parasites or microbacteria were detected in the samples collected from the patients most materials collected from patient skins were composed of cellulite cellulose um Likely of cotton origin. Okay. So. You know who they didn't ask? Dr. Gregory House. He could have fixed this. He definitely could have. Um, But Wikipedia goes on to state that because of social media and all that fun stuff, there's Mm. this website. People, when they find something on the internet and it correlates with what's going on, they want to attach to that, which I can relate to that, and you oh, know yeah. I can relate oh, yeah. to that, but uh, with Hashimoto's and stuff like that, you're made to almost feel like you are crazy mm-hmm. because you go in, you're like, these are my symptoms. I don't know what's going on. They diagnose you. They give you medication. It doesn't fix why you went in, mm-hmm. but it fixes your blood work, and you're like, uh, this isn't helping me. Yeah. And they're like, well, your numbers are normal. Then you start to feel crazy. There's definitely something going on there. Um, to me, there's something going on. I'd there. say there's something going on. I don't know if it's to the extreme that, I mean, obviously it's to the extreme for the person who's like feeling it. Well, but I yeah, don't know if, because if your skin's itchy, I'm sorry, but do you honestly can sit the, anyone, any normal person can sit there and tell me, you're trying to do your work, and this is like a little kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little yeah, kids no. over-exaggerate everything on top of it. But if you're sitting at work as an adult and your skin's itching... You're miserable. Are you going and to literally be able to focus on no. what you should be able to? Definitely not. No. So this is this is where I have issues. It's like, okay, maybe it is 
if it is a psychological thing, there's got to be something to help though, mm-hmm. because something's triggering it. And sometimes I think, and I, I mean, I'm not saying any one doctor is bad for what they're doing or whatever, but sometimes I think they're very close minded. A doctor, <laughs> a doctor to feel satisfied needs to find the answer and doesn't want to just say, I don't know. So he'll they say, don't. it's a mental thing because I don't know. And instead of saying, I don't know, when I don't know may prompt you to find a second, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth opinion. Some doctors don't want to hear that, so they give you an answer that might not exactly be right. They give you an answer because nothing in the medical books show any of this. So mm. therefore, you're just crazy. Well, I've never heard of anything like that. Well, you know Cuckoo. what? Prior to everything being written in the medical books, it wasn't in the medical books. It has to start somewhere, and sometimes new things pop up. It's pretty much it. Didn't you so, say you had something from the Mayo? I'd, really, I'd be I do. curious to hear what they have to say. So the Mayo managing an unexplained skin condition, so they call it Morgellons disease, um, is an uncommon, poorly understood condition characterized by small fibers or other particles emerging from the skin uh, sores. People with this condi- condition often report feeling as something were crawling on or stinging their skin. Some doctors recognize this condition as a delusional infestation, and they treat it with, like, cognitive behavior, antidepressants, Mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. Others think the symptoms are related to infectious uh, process in skin cells. Further study is needed is what the Mayo Clinic is stating. Perfect. Um, That's my favorite response is further study is needed mm -hmm. because if you don't know, just... Don't, don't just brush it off. Don't just brush it off and take the people seriously because it really affects their life when you brush it off. And <laughs> Exactly. Uh, research on Magellan's by multiple groups over decades have yielded conflicting results. Multiple studies have reported a possible link between Magellan's and the infectious with, you may know this, Borrelia spirochesis, Lyme's disease. Okay, yeah. So, mm-hmm. and Lyme's disease um, I had a friend who actually started having seizures. She had no clue she was having Lyme's disease. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different. Everybody's yep. affected different. So yep. Lyme's disease is one thing where it's not one little symptom that's the same. It's things are shutting down in your system and you don't know what's going on. Things yep. are going on here and you're not understanding why you're constantly getting sick. I know with me, that was one thing that they did test for and they keep testing on and you can get false readings. Yep. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what the Mayo Clinic and even further down, they were like, um, after the Lyme disease and the correlation, Further research is needed. So they have no conclusive. So for any doctor out there who doesn't do their research, when because that is one thing that doctors should be doing if they're like, I don't understand what's going on, don't brush it off. Mm -hmm. If it's something that's not in a medical book, you know, maybe bring it to somebody else. And instead of being arrogant and saying, hey, I, you're making this up because, mm-hmm. because this is just crazy. I can't figure out what's wrong with you, so you must be making it up. You're a crazy person, so none of this makes sense. Well, you know what? Maybe something is going on, and maybe the end result is going to be a mental condition. Mm-hmm. It could be. But take it serious until you know that 100%. 
And two, when a person is has all these symptoms, it's going to bring on mental issues. Oh, yeah. I think doctors stop to remember that because I know I went crazy there for a while because it was like, I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. And they're telling me I'm fine when this is how I went in there. And it starts to make you, it's like a mental game is mm-hmm. what it is. So, so I kind of feel bad. Maybe this is a mental thing. I don't know. But if the Mayo Clinic doesn't even know either, yep. and they're supposed to be the best of the best, yep. well, maybe there needs to be more research before people jump to conclusions. Yep, I That's agree. It's my own opinion. I agree. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. <laughs> well, I will lighten things up a little. Okay. And then I'll have a last laugh, and I don't know what your last story is after that, but I'll I'm going to tell a short little story of Kajka. Not Hansel and Gretel? No. This is Kajka. Kajka is a swan. Kajka, like the black swan? She's not black. She's white. Well, most swans are. She spends her summers in Poland. <gasps> Poland! And she flies to Africa for the winter. So she migrates to the mangroves in Africa? Mangroves, maybe? Uh, you have no idea. I don't know. Anyway, um, a Polish charity... Uh, was doing some research, so they decided to put a GPS tracker on Kachka, the bird. Okay. So they could track and see what her pattern was like. You know, they do that her a lot. Her migrational pattern. They do that a lot with birds, you know? Yep. Um, and butterflies. They attached the GPS device um, to the bird, Kachka, um, during the spring in Poland, and um, she made a safe trip on February 1st of that year, um, she made a safe trip to Africa in the fall, February 1st, she turned around and started heading north again for her European summer vacation. <laughs> I want to go to Europe for my summer vacation. Uh, 10 days later, Kajka reached the Blue Nile Valley in Sudan and suddenly came to a stop. One okay. would assume it was a dead stop because the bird did not move again Aww. until April 26th. That day, she took a 25-kilometer trip, and then it stopped again. Okay. And then on June 7th, the bill came for the SIM card that was in the GPS tracker. The bill? The GPS tracker had a SIM card in it. That's how it was um, sending data, was over a cellular network. Okay. Somebody in Africa... <laughs> taken the GPS tracker, pulled the SIM card out, and charged $2,648 worth of calls to the SIM card that was <laughs> located on this Oh, bird. my God. So there's this charity trying to do, you know, some scientific work, just tracking the migration of a swan. Oh, my God. And they got hit with a bill of, you know, a little over $2,500 in uh, because somebody had taken <laughs> the SIM card out, popped it in their cell phone, and not only it oh. made a bunch of calls with it, but this is an area of the world where a lot of payments are done over your cell phone and SIM card because that's how they do a lot of their banking there, especially oh in the poorer God. areas. So yeah, a lot of money racked up just to try to track a swan from Poland to Africa. I thought that, that was interesting. Sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Could you imagine doing like scientific research the, the bird kind of stops and then starts moving again. And the next thing you know, you get a bill. <laughs> that sucks. Whoever was funding them. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't happy. <laughs> I'm positive they weren't happy because not only do you have this bill that you're now paying, but you are not going to get the results. Yeah, you're not of getting the you're research. You're for. not getting the research you wanted. And not only that, you don't. When did it actually happen? Do you have a? Can you trust any of the data from the trip? You know, it, it'd be tough. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Just a short little story, but I thought it was interesting. That that's beyond interesting. That would be my luck. So my last story is. Uh, the name of it is they make their mark in a mugshot history. Okay. So Matthew Allen Neely and Joe Lee Miller um, had permanent marker on their face when they were booked. Okay. So anything going through your mind at all with um, that? No, you're just waiting for more. Picturing people like in a mugshot with marker all over their face now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, police say guilty was written all over their faces. For real? For real? <laughs> <laughs> police received a call Friday night that two had two men had uh, with. Let me start over. Police received a call on Friday night with two men with hooded sweaters. And painted faces had tried to break into a man's home in Carroll, Iowa. Okay. So when police stopped a vehicle matching the caller's description blocks away, they were stunned by the the men's disguises. Um, there were no ski masses, masks, um, no stockings pulled over their heads. Oh, just, Instead, oh Matthew and Joey, um, Matthew 23, Joey 20, Streaked their faces with permanent black markers. Oh my god! <laughs> so were they trying to go as like Mike Tyson? Because it kind of reminds me of his tattoos he's got all over his face. I don't know because <laughs> the one looks like it's he's trying to be Batman. That's true. That's true. So I I have no idea, but <laughs> yeah, their disguise was to color their faces all with it markers. Keeps going through my head is one of these had to be a psychology major where I had learned. Um, a lot of times people put a Band-Aid on their nose because people focus yeah. on that instead yep. of what oh, yeah. their features are. But did they say permanent markers? Permanent markers. So they were going to get this somehow washed off before anybody would see them to identify That's them. That's rubbing alcohol like, is for. I guess. It takes permanent marker off anything. I guess. Um, but I don't think that's really what their <laughs> plan was. Um so their disguises made it easy for the officers to oh, yeah. figure out who they were. These two guys broke um, into my house. I have a marker over on my face. Go catch them. Well, that'll be easy. <laughs> so uh, Kyler, the chief police, said jokingly, I have to assume the officers were kind of laughing at the time. I've never heard of coloring your face with permanent marker. Um, police believe that one alleged burglars targeted the home because he suspected his girlfriend had a relationship with the man who lived there and they probably were not thinking straight and figured we'll go scare the guy or whatever um they were being dumb and combined with alcohol of course <laughs> this was a perfect storm so both <laughs> both men were charged with attempted burglary 
And McNeely was charged additionally with operating a vehicle while intoxicated. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah, if you ever want to be smart and go rob a bank, just use permanent marker and scribble all over your face. There's going to be a link here because it's literally just doodles. <sighs> Doodling all over. It looks just like our kids when they were three scribble drew all, all over, over their your face. face. Like, That's ridiculous. <laughs> I saw the picture and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my last story. Sadly, it's not from Florida because most most of most our stories of our stories are on crime and stuff like that. Dumb but, criminals but do this, come to Florida. This needed to be brought up. This definitely they make the mugshot history. <laughs> definitely, I agree. So yeah, I don't know if that one guy was trying to be Batman or not, but it looked like he had <laughs> little pointy well ears above his eyes. Yes. Like that was hilarious. Oh my gosh! Well. My final story does involve crime. It's not from Florida, and it involves alcohol. So, so, so these are kind of close? Kind of. Not really. <laughs> but there is um, a bar. Uh, actually, it's a hotel bar in Dawson City, Canada. Dawson City, Canada. They, they serve a cocktail called the Sour Toe. Ew, that doesn't sound good. They only serve this cocktail for two hours a day during their happy hour. And it is literally a rocks glass with whiskey and a frozen human toe. What? Inside the glass. What? No. Fermented frozen human toe. Human? Yes. Human. They actually have. How is this? They actually have four of them on hand that have been donated. It's such an. They've been doing it for 40 years and it's such an attraction that the city. No, like they have four separate toes that they can use. I mean, the same toes? Yeah. For how same many toes. years? They've been doing this for 40 years. 40 years and it's the same four toes for 40 years. Uh, no, they've probably they've had many donations throughout the years. They keep like four of them on. Oh my end. god, do not ever 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 donate my toes to I that. Would, I never ever. would. I never yeah, would. Yeah, right. You'd be like this would be hilarious. She told me never to do this. <laughs> She's anyway, dead. What's she going to do now? The this it's been so it's become so famous in this town that they they enacted a law a city ordinance in the town that if you steal the toe, it's a $500 fine. Oh my God. Well, somebody walked in with $500, slapped it on the bar and took the toe. Why so would they you upped even the want fine, a toe? So they upped the fine to $2,500, which helped for a long time until this story is a couple of years old, but uh, it was a Saturday night. Somebody came in and stole the toe. And the cops were looking for him. That was the crime portion, which wasn't the interesting portion of the story. <laughs> the, the toe was the interesting portion of the story. Uh, yeah. You get a certificate if you are able to drink uh, your drink uh, while the toe touches uh, the lips of your no. mouth. Uh, you get a certificate saying you, you survived the sour toe, um, the sour toe drink at. Uh, I need to go hurl now. <laughs> at this bar. Oh my God! Like there's a toe in that yeah, drink. Yeah, just put it away. There's a toe put in that away. drink. Put it away. We know how I feel about feet. For one, I think it's ruining some good whiskey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even like whiskey, but oh my God, never. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. If you want the sour toe, you just gotta head to. Uh, Dawson City, I don't even know where it is in Canada. I just know it's in Canada. I know I'm going to be telling a girl that I work with who whiskeys what she drinks. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell her. Tell her to have a sour toe. 
you need to have a sour tone when she asks me what it is. I'll be like, I guess you're going to have to listen to our podcast. There you go. Which she might be listening to. She's ice fishing right now. Uh, and I, I was like, hey. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so, so. Well, if you liked anything you heard or have any comments, you can always send us an email at outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can come to Facebook and leave some comments, share our little stories we have with your friends at on Facebook at Outlandish Outcast Podcasts. And if you don't have any friends, you can become our friend on Twitter at <laughs> Outlandish Cast. I don't have very many friends, but I, I love friends. I do. I like friends. So, but otherwise, you can also come to our Instagram page at Outlandish Outcasts. And as always, rate, review, uh, comment anything you can do on any platform you are downloading this on and uh, share 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 yes please share and we will be here next week to share with you more stories i like sharing sharing's caring have a great week oh, everybody shoot i hate sharing <laughs> bye